Amen. And Lord, we thank you for $3 million. Everybody say amen. 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 Just had to throw that in. Sorry. Bill is a 21-year-old university student. He's been a Christian for some five or six years. He came to the Lord through his youth group. And today he volunteers as the, an assistant leader in the youth group. And he also greets people on Sundays. Maggie. Maggie is a 67-year-old retired grandmother. She's still energetic enough, in verse at least, and uh, has been keen enough and willing enough to continue ministering in the church. She coordinates the Sozo ministry and does a lot of personal pastoral care. Then there's Ruby. Ruby's a little bit over 29, at least that's what she admits to. She's an IT specialist by day. She, too, serves in a small group and is involved with the outreach ministry to the homeless and the poor. There's Norman. Norman is the father of three teenagers. He's an accountant in his late 40s. He's just old enough to be a baby boomer but still connects with the Gen Xers. Um, he thinks uh, like that. And he has a willing heart. He's an usher, serves on Sundays on a regular basis, and he also assists with building maintenance. Now, I've shared with you people, by the way, names have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. But all of these people have something in common. What they have in common is that in their life, they have realized that ministry and serving in God's house is important and valuable. They're all people who are eager to know how to serve God better and how to serve the Lord's church better. I want to share with you a story about my own family. As many of you know and have heard my testimony, I was blessed to grow up in a Christian family in a Christian home. Um, two sisters and a younger brother um, were are a part of my family. And um, my parents were both believers, strong believers, leaders in the church. And uh, our house was always busy with activity, always busy with uh, people who were welcome and people who didn't have money for a meal. They joined us for a meal. I mean, our house was a constant beehive of activity. But I remember some things as a young boy, and that was that whenever we had a meal, uh, whenever there was something going on at the house, we had chores. Does anybody here you know what is it to have chores? Yeah. And uh, so even as a young boy, I, I many times tried to say, well, my sisters ought to be handling that. And my parents were quick to say, no, son, you have to clean the table today. It's your turn to wash sisters today. Now, I probably wasn't smart enough at the time, but if I had said to my parents, I don't really feel like I have the gifts <laughs> for that, I probably would have felt the consequences. We'll just put it that way, all right? Uh, it was never the option to say, I don't feel led by the Spirit to do this. It was simply what? It was simply a result, a consequence of what? Being in family. 
Being in the family meant there were things that I was responsible to do, like it or not. Later on, uh, my parents, who are both passed uh, now, but I remember when they had their 50th wedding anniversary. By that point, now I'm married and we have kids, but at that point, they called upon me to coordinate, organize, and put on the whole big event. I mean, you know, it's like when you've been married 50 years, you deserve a big event. You know what I'm saying? So I organized the whole thing. And I said, why did you ask me to do this, Mom? I said, my my other sister could have handled it, somebody else. And she said, no, but this is what you're good at this kind of stuff. And I never thought twice about it, but I just did it. And we had a great celebration for their 50th 50th anniversary. So uh, the point of the matter is, is whether serving is simply out of faithful duty because we're part of the family, or whether it's specifically connected to some giftings and abilities that you may have in your life, all of it brings glory to God. And all of it is a part of being a responsible, growing, maturing believer. The scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 16 says, do not neglect to do good. Everybody say good. Good. To do good. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Look at the following scripture. Proverbs 11.25, which really is a, uh, based <clears throat> on the law of the harvest, the law of reciprocity. And it says what? <clears throat> the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. So it's the idea that we're blessed But then we give out blessings, and the result of giving a blessing, blessing others, is what? We're better for it, right? Those who help others are helped. Now, this whole idea of using our blessings for the sake of others and coming to realize that spiritual Christian maturity is directly related with the concept of serving is rooted and grounded in the Old Testament. It goes all the way back to the life of Abram. You remember in Genesis chapter 12, we have the story of God making this great covenant and agreement with his servant Abraham. This is is what I simply call God's original plan for blessings. This is what he says. The Lord said to Abram, I will make you into a great nation. And I will what? Bless you. So God promises to bless you. His people. Turn to your neighbor and say, he wants to bless you. Just turn to him and say, he wants to bless you. All right? So this is God's intent. This is his plan from the beginning to bless his people. But go on. He said, I will make your name great, and I will make you to be a blessing. You will be a blessing. Let's make sure we get this right. So God says, I want to bless you. But then he extends it, and what he's saying is, I want to bless you, not just for you, not just because I love you, although he does. And a cause and a heart, his heart behind blessing us, is simply he loves us. But he has another purpose in mind. He blesses us to do what? So that we, in turn, will be a blessing. I will then bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, 
I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That was true about Israel, and I believe it is also equally true about the body of Christ, the New Testament church today. God wants to bless people, but he does it through us. Amen? So what we need to acknowledge and understand is that I am blessed, just say it with me, I am blessed to be a blessing. You get the idea? This is God's original plan. And by the way, folks, it hasn't changed at all. Here's the key that I want you to get this morning. The way to being blessed, the way to be used of God, is to learn and practice the art of serving. Serving others and serving God. So what we're going to do today is connect the dots between this idea of walking in the full blessings of God, being a blessing to others. I want to connect the dots between that and the concept of serving. So let me share with you three truths about serving. Very simple and very easy to remember. You ready? Number one, we have a command to obey. We have a command to obey. You may be surprised to learn it, but God actually commands us to serve. We're told, for example, in Matthew chapter 20, 28, when Jesus is settling some issues between his disciples, he wanted to make sure that they were not trying to be like the Gentile rulers, and he was explaining to them what it means to achieve greatness. Do you know what he connected that to? Serving. Look at it. He said, whoever among you wants to be great must become what? The servant of you all. So he sets forth an important principle that has to do with serving others. And he goes on to say, just as the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve, he emphasizes his own example, which we'll get to in just a moment. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 is a, is a profound verse that establishes how you and I as Christians today need to look at our service. It says this, each of you has received a gift. We'll just stop right there. Each of you has received a gift. Listen, if you are a Christian here, a born-again believer, you have at least one spiritual gift, likely many more. But you have certain gifts that God has given to you. So it simply says, each one of us has received a gift to do what with? To sit on. No, no, no. To ignore when we get older. To always look for excuses not to use. No. Each of you has received a gift to do what? To use for what purpose? To serve others. And then Peter adds for emphasis, be good servants. Do it right. If you're going to serve, serve rightly. And he says, serving using the various gifts of grace. Other translations say the the manifold graces of God. So he's telling us that we are called to use our gifts to serve others. The body of Christ, the local church, is a means in which we are to be using our gifts to serve. You see, we're shaped by God. Made and created by God to serve others. Did you know that? We all know the scripture well. But it tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, very, very clearly, we are God's workmanship. 
created, think about purpose, what's God's purpose? In other words, God makes us, he creates us, we're a product of his craftsmanship, and he creates us for what purpose? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We're not, we do not gain salvation by works, but when we have been saved by grace through faith, then we express our faith and our appreciation to God by what? By doing good works. Serving God. Mother Teresa is known for having uh, made this statement, and of course she models the idea of a servant uh, and one who gave her life to serving the helpless and those that were the most unlikely uh, to be on the receiving list. She's known for saying this, holy living consists in doing God's work with a smile. She says, you know, some of you want to know how to have a holy life. You consider her life to be a holy life. She says, no, it's real simple. It's just doing God's work. Holy living is doing God's work. Oh, by the way, do it with a smile. Do it with a smile. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to serve. That was a word that marked his life. That same verb should be used to define our lives. See, Jesus teaches that spiritual maturity is never an end in and of itself. And a lot of Christians get really confused about this. And they think that maturity is, wow, I get to this place of maturity and that's the end. No, maturity is all about ministry. The more you mature, the more you minister. The stronger the believer you become, the more you can do to serve the king of kings. Maturity is for ministry. We have to grow up in order to give out. You probably heard the illustration many times. It's age-old uh, analogy, but it works for this. Uh, you have maybe even if you haven't had a chance to travel in Israel in the Holy Land yet, and uh, we'll probably do another trip here in another year or so. Maybe you could be a part of that trip. All you got to really do is look at a map to figure out that there are two very obvious bodies of water in Israel. Right, Jeannie? You and John got a chance to take your family earlier this year. And up in the northern regions of Israel is the Sea of Galilee. Oh, you'd have to see the Sea of Galilee. It's wonderful to be able to hop on a boat and just go out there in the midst of the Sea of Galilee and just enjoy the beautiful weather and, and the wind and just imagine Jesus and his disciples out there. But one of the things that you will notice about the Sea of Galilee is it's full of life. I mean, it's teeming with life. There's hundreds and hundreds of little cafes and restaurants all around Sea of Galilee, partly because it's a resort area, but also because, guess what? Fish. They have great fish in the Sea of Galilee. In fact, they call the most famous fish that they bring over there, they call it Peter's fish. I don't know why, but anyway, uh, they call it Peter's fish. You can go and go to a little restaurant on the Sea of Galilee and eat some fish from the Sea of Galilee. It's full of life. But why is it full of life? And why is the other body of water that is on the southern side of Israel, the Dead Sea? I think the name gives it away, doesn't it? Let me just tell you, it is dead. There's nothing there but death. And it's just salty, yucky, can't believe we got in it and floated. But it's just, the Dead Sea is just, ugh. 
Why? Because there's a characteristic about each that is very important. And the Sea of Galilee not only receives water in coming from the hills around Galilee, but it also allows water to flow out. The Dead Sea only receives. But there's no outlet. There's no way for the water to get out of the Dead Sea. It may be cool for floating, but that's about it. All right? It's dead. You say, what does that have to do with this? Because Christians many times end up more like the Dead Sea. God wants us to be like the Sea of Galilee, right? Life is coming in, we're giving out. We're giving out. If you're simply a reservoir receiving, just receiving and receiving and receiving, uh, I'm concerned about your spiritual development. So remember that. Most of the time, too many of us as Christians are more interested in, in, in saying, serve us, serve us, serve us. We ought to be more interested about service. And service is about serving God. I, I'm, I'm accustomed to, unfortunately, hearing people consider and talk about they may be new in the area and looking for a church or whatever's going on. And Sometimes I hear this comment being stated. Uh, Pastor, could you help me? I'm looking for a church. So what kind of church are you looking for? This is the answer many times I get. Well, I'm looking for a church that will meet my needs. And I'm looking for a church that will just bless me. I just, I just want to be blessed. Now, folks, listen, I get it. Of course you want to be in a church that's healthy and that is going to minister to you. I get it. But if we are only focused on what I get out of it, rather than saying, God, where do you want to place me? And place me, please, Lord, somewhere where I can be a blessing to others. That really ought to be our heart. Amen? We don't understand that that's really about being mature in Christ. I think Rick Warren had it right when he made the statement that thousands of local churches in America are dying today because too many Christians are unwilling to serve. Here's the problem today. Americans in particular, Westerners, are trained spectators. Conditioned to spectate, not participate. Everything about our lives today, think about it, are spectator-oriented. I could sit with my phone this afternoon and watch every football game that I might want to see some of my phone. I'm not expending one ounce of energy. I'm not burning off any calories. I'm sure not playing the game. But I'm on the receiving end. Why? I'm a spectator. I'm a fan. So everything about our life is about observing, watching, being entertained. And we're all very interested in, we, we, we're trained and conditioned to be spectators. Where the problem is, in the kingdom of God, and in a healthy church, it's not about being a spectator. Listen, what happened today in worship, this wasn't a concert. And whether you realize it or not, we're not interested in entertaining people on Sunday morning. We're interested in creating an atmosphere of people to encounter God's presence. And the only way someone can benefit, if they just come in, they don't just sit there and say, all right, feed me, feed me. 
Well, that was a pretty good riff on the guitar today. No, you come in with the attitude of, I'm coming in to what? To participate. I'm going to enter in. It's the same way when it comes to serving. I'm not just coming to be on the receiving end. I want to find out, how can I serve? How can I be used of God? And how can I take on service? Serving blesses other people. You're blessed to be a blessing. Your spiritual gifts, which all of you have, were not given to you just for your own benefit, but for the benefit of others. So, let's look at point number two. Number one is we have a command to obey. Number two, we have an example to follow. The Bible always gives us examples to follow. So whenever you study the Bible, just a simple Bible study trick, always look for these things. Number one, look for commands to follow. I'm sorry, commands to obey. Look for examples to follow or not follow. Because there's, there's both, right? There's certain things there you don't want to follow the example of them there in the Bible. But there's plenty of good examples to follow certain things. And number three, look for promises to claim. So it's very, very simply. Just look for those things. You'll become a great Bible student. All right? What examples do we have when it comes to the idea of serving and being blessed to be a blessing? Well, let's just start with the preeminent example of Jesus Christ. Right? The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that tremendous high summit of theological uh, expertise and truth. It tells us in Philippians 2 about uh, Jesus emptying himself. He empties himself and he's willing to come to earth, take on human flesh. And it says that he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. Everybody say servant. servant. He did this not only to ultimately be obedient to death, to the cross, but he also took on the nature of a servant to give you and me an example that we would follow. That's not all. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, which by the way, we normally focus on this verse, which I love this verse because it talks about healing and casting out devils. I love that. But what we sometimes miss is one little part here. Look at what the scripture says. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. All right, so we're talking about the, the anointing of the Spirit that's on Jesus, right? To do what? With the Holy Spirit and with power. Now watch this. Then Jesus, he's now anointed, right? Holy Spirit and power. What is he doing? He goes around, he went around doing good. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Because God was with him. Now, we love to take that and just focus on what? Healing and deliverance. Wow, God! look how God anointed you. Woo, let's go. We're going to heal people. Look, I'm all about that. Just don't forget that little phrase there. He was anointed to do what? He was equally anointed to go about doing good as he was to heal people. God wants to anoint you to do some good. To be a blessing to others. To serve in some capacity. So this is a great example that we have of Jesus. And of course we know that the ultimate example was when Jesus uh, in John chapter 13 washed the feet of his disciples, right? You all know that story. I don't need to retell it. But he, in that story, made it very clear that he was setting a pattern for us to follow. At the end of it, I'll just read you the very last phrase of the little story. It says, if you understand what I'm telling you by 
washing the feet of my disciples. I've told you that I'm setting you a pattern to follow. He said, if you understand what I'm telling you, act like it, and you will live a blessed life. You know what a key to a blessed life is? Learning to humble ourselves to serve. Sometimes it's just family duty. Mom, I don't really feel led to help with the dishes. Sometimes it's not about you feeling led. Sometimes it's simply a matter of what? Being in the family. I just call it family duties. But then, of course, there are things that are more connected to your giftings. So let's look at the third truth. Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot Paul. I don't want to leave Paul out. So the other example I was going to give you to follow, we have Jesus, which is the ultimate example, but also the Apostle Paul. Paul was a great model of a servant attitude. He actually loved to start off his letters by identifying himself as what? A bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. A slave, the Greek word doulos. He's a slave, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul never walked away from his apostleship. He never quit. He, he had no problem saying, yes, I'm an apostle called by God, commissioned by him. You didn't call me, God called me. But he also balanced that with, he carried his anointing and his gifting with what? A servant heart. Paul, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that we can fulfill and walk in these examples. Let's look at number three now. Number three, there are benefits to receive. We have benefits to receive. We have a command to obey. We have an example to follow, but we also have some benefits to receive. Here's the principle. God blesses those who serve. I know that's simple. It's the same principle, really, as we read at the very beginning, which is the law of reciprocity which is the same way, whether it's giving financially, you can't outgive God. You give, He gives back. That's not our primary motive for, for giving, just to get a return on our end. It's not just an ROI type of a giving. Okay? But He does return to us. It's the same way with giving of your time, giving of your talents. The same principle is true. God blesses those who serve. Now, there are certain ways that we need to learn to serve. Ephesians 6 tells us, serve wholeheartedly. How? Not with reluctance, not because someone twisted my arm, not because pastor got down on his knees and begged me to do it. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were, what? Serving the Lord. Are we going to serve the Lord begrudgingly? So if I'm changing diapers or I'm serving as an usher, or whether I'm greeting people the parking lot, or whether I'm helping to set up tables so that we can feed the homeless, no matter what it is, I need to view it as what? As unto the Lord. That'll keep my heart right. You do it unto the Lord, you won't be complaining. None of you would complain, I know. But anyway, the scripture goes on to say, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does. Now, what are the benefits? I'm going to give them to you very quickly, just several to give to you. Number one, serving is a pathway to promotion. I already gave you the scripture in Matthew. It's complemented by a, a similar one in Mark's gospel, chapter 10, that says, if you want to be great, you must become a servant. If you want to 
be great and achieve greatness, become a servant. If you learn to be a servant, promotion will come from the Lord. The Lord will promote you. It's inevitable. But not only on this earth, I've also found in Scripture that there's eternal promotions that are going to come from what I do here on earth. All right? So in other words, I'm not trying to work my way to heaven, but there is a reality that good works for Jesus, done properly, done well, on earth, is going to lay up rewards for me in heaven. I don't know about you, I'm frankly more interested in my eternal promotions than I am anything that happens here on earth. Serving is a pathway to promotion. Number two, serving validates the gospel. Now listen to me. I don't want to get in the weeds on this, but through church history, there have been different seasons where the church has emphasized different things. There was a season where it was the focal point was evangelical Uh, preaching of the gospel and the centrality of the cross and that became the service and there was basically no acts towards social justice there were no efforts to um to feed the poor there was no care for there was no compassion arm if you will of the church it was just about we don't have to do that we just preach the gospel and then there was a new season where then much of the church was just about social action giving to the poor, helping people in need. And it swung. The pendulum swung way over that way. But then began to leave out the what? The proclamation of the gospel. I believe the balance is where we need to be. And I I have a saying, I don't know who to credit to because I learned it too many years ago. Good news, good news, that's the gospel, right? Good news plus good works equals good sense. Why don't we add the two together, right? Let's take the good news. We already have that. Then let's start working and serving and being engaged. Let's add the two together, and the result's going to be what? It's just good sense. And people, you've probably figured this out, people really don't care how much you know about apologetics until they know that you're for real. They want to know that it is just not talk. Some people will never be ready to hear the good news of Jesus as long as they're starving. Let's dig them a well. Let's get them some fresh water. Show them the love of God in that way, and then we'll tell them how to come to Jesus. Huh? All right. So serving validates the gospel. Number three, serving provides an example for others. We model are serving after Jesus Christ. And then when we do that, we're modeling it for other people because we're doing Christ-like deeds and it becomes an example for other people. All right, I'm wrapping up, so I'll skip a couple of comments and we'll just bring this to a close. Number four, serving makes leadership effective. The best, really, the only, in my view, the only effective leaders today at large, frankly, and I mean this in... in circles of faith circles at also at every level of government or business or whatever is the most effective leaders are servant leaders number five serving brings fulfillment and meaning to life at some point hopefully sooner than later in your life don't wait like so many of my friends do 
Many of my friends wait until they're 50, 55. They wake up one day and they go, you know, what's, what's my life added up to? What really, truly meaningful things? Oh, I've accumulated some stuff. I have a decent family. But what does my life really count for? And then they decide to look for something meaningful to engage in. Listen, the best legacy that you can leave is being significantly engaged in serving in the kingdom of God. Don't wait till you're 40 or 50 to figure out that there is a way that you can meaning, build meaning and significance in life. Do it now, regardless of how we are. By the way, even if you are 60, it's not too late. It's not too late for some of us. Hallelujah. So I'm going to leave you today with a thought, a prayerful couple of questions for you to think about as we close. In what way can you see yourself passionately serving others and loving it while you're doing it? How can you envision yourself passionately serving, using your time and talents to bless others? Secondly, are you currently using all the God-given gifts that God has given to you to serve in a meaningful way? Are you using your gifts? Are some of you just sitting on the shelf, laid back, for whatever your reasons, Number three, is God speaking to you today about doing more to serve him? And maybe there's a way that he wants to extend and expand your life of service. Remember what we're talking about, and that is we are blessed to be a blessing. Don't go through your life just on the receiving end. View yourself as a conduit and a channel of God's anointing, His power, His love to minister to other people. Would you stand to your feet as we pray today? Thank you for giving us the grace to go over a few moments today with all that we had planned. I want to pray for you, and if you don't mind, just with heads bowed, I'm just going to ask you whether any of those questions the Holy Spirit seems to be sparking inside of you. Is Holy Spirit speaking to you today about your life and what it adds up to and about how to more effectively impact others about serving in some way? Has Holy Spirit spoken to you in some way this morning? Would you just acknowledge it by just lifting your hand and say, Lord, I acknowledge you're speaking to me about something in my life today. And you raise your hand, put it right back down. God bless you. God bless you. By the way, if you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the first step. You're not going to do a lot meaningful on this earth without knowing Jesus Christ first. And you surely won't have the right eternity. You can come to Jesus today. You can act on whatever decisions the Holy Spirit is prompting you to. I've asked for our prayer teams to come forward. They're going to be here available to pray for you, to minister to you, to lay hands on you, to ask the Holy Spirit what he's speaking through them for you. Some of you are here with marriage issues. You need prayer today. 
Some of you here are up against a financial wall and only God's going to get you over it. You need prayer and agreement today. Some of you have questions about your careers and about jobs and employment. Feel free to come and receive prayer. If you have a spiritual need in your life, God is your answer. Please come and allow us to pray for you today. I'm going to pray over you now. Denise is going to speak a blessing. You're dismissed. Please honor the fact that there will be others here at the front that will be ministered to. So let's maintain an attitude of reverence here in the auditorium. Father, I thank you. You gave me good parents that taught me about serving from the time I was a little boy. I thank you, Lord, that that's just ingrained in me. And I'm sure it is also with many who are here. But Lord, today I know that you're speaking to us because you're stretching us into new areas. So whatever that may be, however you're speaking to us, we pray that we would have listening ears and obedient hearts. We just reaffirm our love for you today. Lord, those that have spiritual needs today need to make decisions for you. I pray that you give them the courage to step out now. In Jesus' name, amen. Denise. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he protect you, sustain you, and guard you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you with favor and be gracious to you, surrounding you with his goodness and loving kindness. May the Lord lift up his countenance, his face upon you with divine approval and give you peace, a tranquil heart and life. In Jesus' name.